Amen. Oh, you guys, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians, and I'll let you in on a secret. We're in our last study here this morning for 2 Thessalonians. So that's a great secret. Well, you know, Pastor Stephen just prayed, and so we're just going to get right into our message here today, this morning, and a lot to everyone, and hope you guys ready to just seek Jesus and hear from Him. You know, I was thinking about <clears throat> my phone. I was thinking about what a great resource I have in this day and age, praise the Lord for technology, and how it's such an everyday resource for me. I mean, you guys know, you guys have your phones, your smartphones, how we check the weather every day. I check the surf, I check news, catch up on what's going on with our friends and social media. I mean, and then right here, this mini computer, right? You can do searches on the internet, get information that you need. Uh, I can uh, search for YouTube videos to help me fix my car. Isn't that amazing? And you could find all kinds of information now I, I, to do home repairs. I, I mean, even like last night, I was doing banking on my phone. Isn't that crazy? You could deposit a check. I can, I can pay bills right here. What a great resource. I don't have to go in or anything. I could do it right there in the convenience of my home. And hey, <clears throat> maybe you like this. You can shop right here right? You can shop Amazon. You can go, oh, hey, I ordered something. Yeah, oh, right on. You know, don't even have to even go on my computer. You can take pictures. It's such a great resource of what we have here right in our hands for everyday life. You know, the, the other day I picked up this app. You know, there's so many apps out there, right? And I, I got to share this with you. It's an app that's called Dad Jokes. So you ready? Oh, no, don't groan yet. No, I, I, I know. This is going to help me, okay? If you think, ah, oh, Pastor Rick, he's bad at jokes. Well, this is going to help me even more. Like, like today, when I opened it up, it said, I couldn't figure out how the seatbelt worked. Then it just clicked. See, isn't that great? Okay, one more. Uh, what did the father tomato say to the baby tomato while I was on a family walk? Catch up. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. I was, I was laughing all by myself at home. But I don't care what you think. I don't care. There's another app I thought would be a great resource as uh, I was kind of looking through some apps one day. And, and that is something called iWatermelon Deluxe. You can look it up later, though. And what it is, is you, it helps you. It's a resource to help you pick out a watermelon. It asks you a couple questions of color, and then you, you hold the phone, the mic up to the watermelon, and you tap the watermelon three times. And it, it hears that, and in its process, it tells you if the watermelon is a good watermelon, if it's ripe. You know how you hit the watermelon, you hear that, dunk, dunk, dunk. Well, there's an app for that now. I mean, no, no, you know, well, anyway, a lot of, it didn't get a lot of reviews, but good reviews but hey you know but you know what just like we have great a great resource with technology in our phones today we have a great resource with God for every day and that's what we're going to see today as we do our last study here in second Thessalonians as Paul closes out here really with one final prayer of blessing and all we find in this end part 
some spiritual resources God has made available to you and me. And we need to be mindful of that, that they're right there for us for everyday life. So I titled our message, Spiritual Resources for Life. Spiritual Resources for Life. We're going to be studying 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 from verse 16 through 18, finishing up the, this book. You know, this will be, I think, seven or eight messages we've done in this book. And we're going to see four things in our, these spiritual resources for life. Number one, the overcoming peace. Number two, the strengthening presence. Number three, the trustworthy word. And lastly, the sustaining grace. So those are the four things that I want to put into your minds and that you could go home with today and live this week, this month, and hopefully the rest of your life knowing these resources are available to you from God. So let's begin here with verse 16, and that's only the first part. Number one, the overcoming peace. The overcoming peace. Now, Paul writes here in just the first part of verse 16, he says, Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at times at every in, in every ways. So I was going to stop here in this first section. And Paul is now closing out this letter. He says now. And he's finally saying this now to finally come to the end of he's wrapping this letter out to the believers there in the city of Thessalonica. So what he comes into is like a prayer. It's like a, a blessing. It's like a benediction, you know, kind of a, a, a word of blessing upon the people, upon the believers here. And so he says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. So it's important that he puts this in their minds that God will give them peace because remember these believers as we've been learning they're suffering persecution they're 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 going through a lot right now right they're being attacked with persecution from the Jewish religious leaders trying to stop them stop the church stop their witness we know remember we were reading the false teachers are trying to poison their minds and hearts by attacking Paul's character and the missionary team and trying to divide the body on that and then the false teachers Remember, are also teaching this false doctrine and bringing confusion into the body about the second coming of Christ. And we covered a lot of that in both books, First and Second Thessalonians. So the first thing Paul wants to give them is this peace, in this, this overcoming peace. So notice he says, may the Lord of peace. Now, this tells us this peace comes from God, who is the God of peace. So Paul right away is saying, look, may God's peace, right? Not your peace, not peace of the situation, but may the Lord's peace, may he give it to you. May he give you peace in this way. I like that because God is the source of our peace. We can go to God and receive that peace directly from God himself, the Lord of peace. And God is peace, right? Think about 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Do you understand that? If you're confused, if you're going through some things right now, and it's just you're just confused, you're hearing all this stuff, you know, go to the Lord and find peace. Because God's not going to confuse you more. You know, He's going to give you peace, even if all this stuff is going around. So our Lord Jesus is a, a God of peace and Harmony, not strife, not confusion. Not, he, he'll bring order and clarity. That, that's really what this verse in 1 Corinthians is talking about. So we see the, the source is the Lord of peace himself. And look, he, it says now in verse 16, He will give you peace. In other words, God is there to give you this peace. It's available 
to you. And look what he says, at all times, in every way. So first of all, all at all times. It's available anytime, you guys. At all times. Anytime you need the peace, you go to him. He's the source of that peace. And then he says, in every way. I like the NLT. It translates this, in every situation. I know that speaks to me, not just in every way, but in every situation, every situation you face, everything you're going through, you know, it's available at any time in every situation. It's not like, well, sorry, you know, that situation you're in, uh, I don't have peace for that. You're on your own. No, it's not like that. In every situation, everything that you go through, God can give you that peace and that peace that goes inside of you. A.T. Pearson said, The peace of God is that eternal calm which lies far too deep in the praying, trusting soul to be reached by any external disturbances. Isn't that great? This peace, the peace of God, who, who God is peace, comes into us, inside of us. So no matter what's going on, no matter what someone is saying, no matter what the situation is, you can have that peace. No matter what the external is, you can have the deep internal peace from God. So we put all this together to say, Jesus is the source of overcoming peace that is available anytime for any situation. You can overcome. You can Go on. You can endure because Jesus is that overcoming peace that overcomes all your stresses and worries and everything. And it's available anytime for any situation. You know, I was thinking about how, you know, it's funny how in the movies, right, in those beauty pageant scenarios and the contestants are out there and, and they ask, they interview them, right, and ask them that question is, what is the most important thing you think society needs today? And what's the, the answer? First they go, oh, oh, right? And then what's the answer? World peace, right? World, oh, that, that's the answer. Yeah, the, the world is looking for that. I think we're going to see coming and coming events, the world trying to bring that peace. It's never going to happen until Christ comes to, to, to reign and rule on, on this earth. But you know what? World peace. They, the world defines peace as the absence of conflict. That's what they think, right? But let me tell you this. The Lord's peace comes in the midst of conflict. That's what I want to get into your minds. Sometimes, listen, you may be praying like, God, take away my trials. God, take away this situation. God, I want to have peace. But God is saying, you know what? Come to me. I'll give you peace. Even in the midst of everything that's going on, I'll give you this this special peace. Even in the midst of that conflict, right? What we need to do, right, is take those stresses, take those worries, take take our troubled mind and just hand it over to God. A lot of times, I mentioned this before, I I like to like literally in my mind, okay, God, here's my pile of things and I'm going to put your hand out, Lord. I want to put it into your hands. That's the idea. We give him all our worries and anxieties. And then you know what? He gives us peace 
in return. You remember what it says in Philippians chapter 3 or 4, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, right? And then what happens in verse 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you see what Paul is writing there back in Philippians. Give him your peace. Don't worry. Just make your request known to God. And you know what? Exchange all that for that peace that passes understanding, that surpasses. It doesn't make sense. Why am I calm? Why do I have peace when all this is going on around me? Why am I having peace when I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? Why am I having peace when this whole pandemic and coronavirus is going on and there's this, who knows what this new government is going, going to do? Why do I have peace? Because it's that peace that passes under all understanding and it's that peace that comes from God. It's His peace because God is God, a God of peace. And so that is the source, right, of overcoming peace, this peace that can help you overcome these things and not not shake you emotionally not pull you into all this worry and stress and everything give it to god right and he'll exchange it and give you peace there was this man who worried about everything he worried about his job he worried about his wife he worried about his kids he worried about his house he worried about his car he worried about his health he worried about the amount of money he had but then one day a friend noticed him whistling And he was unusually calm and peaceful. It wasn't normal. So the friend asked him, what happened to you? And the man replied, you know what? I hired someone to do all the worrying for me. The man said, you you hired him? How much do you pay him? The man said, I pay him $1,000 a week. And, and, And the friend's like, wait, 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 what? How can you afford that? The man replied, I can't, but that's for him to worry about. That's the idea, you guys. That's the idea. We give God all our worries and let Him take care of those things. Your, your job, my job, is to just be not anxious. Let our requests be made known to God. Give, put it into His hands. His job is to come and give us peace and to handle all our problems. So isn't that great? You have available today a spiritual resource for life. And that's this overcoming peace. Let's go on to number two, the strengthening presence. The strengthening presence. So here, he goes on in verse 16 now, and he says, The Lord be with you all. Real short, real simple here. Paul adds now this blessing, not just this peace, but that the Lord Jesus, may he be with you. May he go with you. And in this sense, understand this. Paul is saying, When he goes with you, you can have strength. When he goes with you, you can endure. You can go on. You can face any challenge that comes to you. Remember, we understand that God is omnipresent, right? You know what that means, right? He's everywhere at once. He's not locked in some location in heaven or, or, or locked in, you know, Oahu can't come to Maui. No, he's everywhere. We understand God is one of his character attributes, right? He is omnipresent. We know that. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We understand. We hold on to that promise. So when Paul says, uh, the Lord be with you all, is that, well, Paul, we already know that. He's with us. But you know, Paul, in this sense, what he's praying, what he's blessing the people with is really saying, may God's 
very presence, Him being there with you, be that reassurance, and may He strengthen you. May He give you power to keep going. May you find security in all that. Take a moment, turn into uh, the Old Testament to Psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, I thought it'd be good for you guys to be reminded of this again. But Psalm 23, verse 4, we get an idea of, uh, I believe, what Paul is saying here. It says here in verse 4, Psalm 23, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why is that? Psalm 23, verse 4. For, David writes, you are with me. God is right there, even in this dark valley. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used for protection. It was usually used to fight off wolves and predators. And the, the, the staff was, was the shepherd's staff. It could be a stick or we, we see it characterized as a, a hook on the end. That was characterized uh, um, or that is used for, to guide the sheep, kind of like, no, a little bit this way, a little bit this way. And actually, if there was a hook on it, if the sheep got caught and the shepherd couldn't get down, he actually used that hook to grab the sheep and pull the sheep up to the shepherd. So both those things give comfort as God is there to protect his presence. We're secure there. And I believe in all of this. Then we're strengthened in that way that, hey, I know God is with me. We can endure. He's going to be there. He's going to help me. He's going to strengthen me. And you know what? All this, what Paul is saying in Second Thessalonians, all this is connected really to God's peace. Like listen to what J. Oswald Sanders said. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Isn't that good? So connected with the peace we get is God's presence. And I'll tell you, when I sense God's presence with me, I feel like I'm going to be okay and I can keep going. I can, I, I can do anything yeah, because God is with me. So Paul's saying here, back to 2 Thessalonians, is when trouble comes, find help. In Jesus and his, and his strengthening presence. When trouble comes, find help in Jesus and his strengthening presence. I don't know if you saw recently uh, a surfer died at Honolulu Bay, right? He, a shark got him and he died in hospital, bled out probably. And, and so scary, you know, the WSL moved the contest, right? The women, the pro contest moved it to Oahu first time. They surfed pipe. It was a, a big thing. But I felt sad for the guy. Right, local surfer always went out there. That was his spot and everything, and and he got he he, he got he died from that shark, and but you know for me, all of a sudden this fear comes in too. Like, okay, there's shark in the water. I don't want to go there for a long time, you know, and or uh, maybe I'll stay up, stay away from the Upper West Side over there, you know, surfing. And I remember I was thinking about one time I was surfing Tavares Bay. And uh, it's a little bit of paddle out. You've got to go over and, or in between the reef and everything. And it's a little ways, ways out and surfing over there. And there's a group of guys there. And, and we were surfing. And, and there's been shark stories over there, too. A, a lot of shark stories. Even ones you don't hear in, you know, in the news or someone getting their board bit or something like that. But I was surfing. There's a bunch of guys. I've got to tell you, if there's like a bunch of guys there, maybe there's like 10 guys out there, I feel okay. Because percentage, chances, me getting bit, bit right, it's probably going to be the other guy. At least that's what I think, right? So, so I feel okay, but this particular session, I was surf, surfing, little by little, one went, 
couple guys went, and all of a sudden I was noticing, I'm the only guy out. And, and those are the times, I don't think about it until you're all alone and you start, in your mind you start hearing, da-na, da-na, da-na. I go, where's that coming from? You know, but my mind starts, you know, playing all this stuff in my head. And, you know, so the next way I got, I got the wave and just paddled out as fast as I could. But you understand, just like I feel safe when there's other people in the water, you know, in a similar way, when it comes to trials and problems in your life, you'll feel safer with the Lord's presence with you. You can face those problems in life. It's, it's a lot better when you sense God's presence. And, and that's why I, I pray a lot. God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But Lord, sometimes I need to feel you. Sometimes I need that. So I pray, God, give me a strong sense of your presence. Because we know he's all, all, all around. So, Lord, give me a strong sense of your presence. And, and so I'm with Paul. Oh, yeah, Paul, thank you. The Lord be with you all. And so call out to God in that way. Because God is your spiritual resource for life. Let's go on to number three as we go on to verse 17. The trustworthy word. The trustworthy Word. We've seen in the spiritual resources for life, the overcoming peace, the strengthening presence, and now number three, the trustworthy word. And I like what he writes here. In verse 17, Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness. In every letter of mine, it is the way I write. So now Paul inserts here in verse 17, before he closes up in the next verse, he inserts this, hey, you guys, this is me. This is me writing this right now. I, Paul, write right now this greeting. Perhaps it's even from verse 16. He's saying, I write this greeting, at least verse 17, this greeting with my own hand. He's saying, I'm writing this with my own own hand. This is me writing this. This is my hand writing here. Now understand, these letters, usually Paul would dictate the letter, this, what he would want the letter to say, and someone else would write it down. So you have a little secretary, one of his assistant guys, you know, take, take uh, what, what do they have in court? Uh, uh, those guys that, that us? Huh? Court reporter, yeah. And they go, well, he had a guy actually writing what he said in this letter. But when it came to the end, many times he would write with his own hand when his own writing and and some people say well maybe it's because he had poor eyesight we get an indication of that from galatians 4 15 some say that was his thorn in the flesh and maybe he couldn't see very well and maybe you know he had to write big letters or something but you know this little small letters i don't know maybe his handwriting was really bad i'll tell you my handwriting is really bad and that's why i I do my sermon on the, the computer, put it on my iPad, and I stand up here with you guys because my handwriting is super bad. Or else I'd be standing up and going, you know, I don't know what I wrote here. Let's just close now. No, that kind of thing. But you, you understand. So, so anyway, you, you, he would dictate his letters, but many times he would finish it off, right, by writing in his, with his own hand. And then he says this. I write this, Paul, I write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. So usually he'll end the letter with his own handwriting to bring the authenticity that this is Paul really writing this 
letter. Remember how the false teachers we saw earlier in this book, they came and they were claiming, oh, Paul wrote this letter, and it was false doctrine. See, Paul is saying, and they're claiming Paul wrote it, but it wasn't Paul. They forged his name on there, and Paul saying, look, I'm doing this with my own hand. This is me telling you, this is from me writing this. So Paul here writes this ending with his own hand, authenticating this letter, which showed he wanted the Thessalonian believers to know that what they have here, right here, is God's word. That's what he's really putting out here. That it's not like what the false teacher is saying, oh, Paul wrote this letter, see, and they were trying to... Uh, uh, teach this false doctrine. You know, Paul's saying, no, look, this is me. I'm auth- uh, authentic. Authent- anyway, uh, you know. Huh? Authenticating. There's the word. This letter, that it's me who wrote it, and this is God's word. Remember, we talked about this, how back then they didn't have the New Testament. The Old Testament was on scrolls, you know, that were in the synagogues. There's copies of the scrolls in the different synagogues, and that's what they'd open up, and a certain uh, uh, religious leader, the leader of synagogue, would open up. they teach from there, or Jesus opened the scroll of Isaiah when his ministry started. Well, well, they didn't have, like, like, Bibles like we have today. It was these letters that were sent, and the letters were read before the church, and that was their word. That was them getting into the word when the apostle there wasn't there. And the apostles were chosen and called to speak and communicate God's truth, God's principles, and what they wrote became God's word. That's what we have put together Today, and that's what we're studying today in Second Thessalonians. And so we know these men of God, these apostles, they are called by God to do this. And God used their personality, their style of writing. If you look at, if you really study your Bible, you can see Matthew writes different from Luke. And John writes different from all those guys. And Paul writes completely different from Peter. And Peter's like, I don't know if you know, when we study for Second Peter, I was like, Oh, man, he's like all over the place. But that's Peter. But it still was the word of God and the truth and the principles that are there in our Bibles is God's word. So here's Paul. He's authenticating all of this and saying, look, you guys, I'm doing this by my hand. And this is God's word that you have. I was thinking about how in 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, he said, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that's where we can trust what we have in our Bible, what these guys wrote, these letters, for Second Thessalonians, is the Word of God, because God had them put this in here. So Paul wants to make sure... And this is, this is like our spiritual resource. He wants to make sure you can fully count on what is written here. It is the trustworthy word. That's what Paul's saying here. You can count on that. What's written here, what's been given to you, this letter is the trustworthy word. And you guys, this book, our Bibles, what's written in these pages is trustworthy. This is our resource here. This is God communicating to us here, right? For all scripture is is communicated. It's breathed, the word really means, uh, or communicate. It's from his very mouth, the word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. So understand what we hold here is God's word, and we treasure it 
for that. So you can go to the Word of God when you need it. It's a resource for you. You need information. You get it here. You need the truth. You get it here. You need principles here. You get it here. You need, you need to understand what does it mean to be saved. You find it here. Who is God? You find it inside this book, you guys. Not the, so much the internet, right? Not so much that. I mean, there's Bible stuff on the internet. But right here in your hands, right here, Paul's like, you can fully count on what's written here. It is the trustworthy uh, word. You know, someone I was talking to, I forget, just the other day was telling me how they were convicted by the Holy Spirit on how they were spending more time reading devotionals every day rather than getting into their Bible, the Word of God. And, and I'll tell you, your, the Bible you have, that's the meat and potatoes, you guys. That's what's important. Well, if you want God to speak to you, Read the Word. I'll tell you, it's amazing what the Spirit will pop out in your, into your heart. And you go, wow, Lord, you're telling me this. You're speaking to me in this way for this day, for today. I'm going to carry this with me throughout this day. This is the meat and potatoes. Now, don't get me wrong. Devotionals are good. I, I read maybe uh, one to two, sometimes three, <laughs> sometimes, you know. But I do not miss what God wants to tell me in the Word of God. And it does not replace my daily reading of the Bible, God's Word. So do you see the Bible as something special? You should. You should go to it. This is the trustworthy Word of God. It, don't approach the Bible like, some textbook at school. You remember like our textbooks at school? I remember history was like, oh my gosh, boring, boring, you know, kind of thing. Oh man, it was just struggling. But treasure what's in here. Before you read, pray for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to give you understanding that God would speak through His very word here. Don't make the excuse that, oh, it's too hard to understand, you know. Oh, I, I, I don't, you know what? That's why we study this, right? I'll tell you, my hope, my vision here, my mission here is here to, to, as we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the books of the Bible, is to help you understand what the Bible says so that when you go home, like you go home today and you read it on your own, you'll go, okay, I understand it. And if you can connect to the Word, then you know what? When you read it at home, you could connect to God Himself. You don't need me. You shouldn't need me. I'm just teaching you. Your, your, your connection with God Himself. That's the relationship that we look for and we go for. And so don't make excuses. Ah, oh, it's, it's too hard. Well, come church then. Learn. Learn the gospel of Luke on Wednesday. Come church on Sunday regular. Make sure you're learning and eating this up and growing. And, and you know what? I'll tell you, like I said, in this day and age, there's no excuse. There, there is so much information, right? In the inter- internet, I mean, good places to go to find out and learn the Bible. Let me give you a, a tip. There's a, a site called gotquestions.org. I recommend it. I've been following it for years now and, and pretty upright, pretty pretty straight up, pretty biblical. Go there. If you have questions about anything, you know, re, uh, other religions in the world or what about this or buy some hard stuff in the Bible or get a Bible app. I, I have, I don't know, three, four, five, you know. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I love this. It, it's my brain sometimes. You ever say like, oh, I forgot uh, my phone. I go, where's my brain? Where's my... No, but um, get a Bible app. I have, I have several. I have my main Bible app where uh, it's Takarta Bible, if you guys want to know. 
I have like study Bibles connected with it, commentaries. And so if I don't understand something in my daily reading, you know what? I can just go to, go click on a, a section and it'll open up a study Bible that I've set up and it'll, it'll help me understand it. And I close it up and I go back to the Word. You know, there, there's so much resources. We have no excuse in this day and age of getting into the Word, understanding the Word. No excuse. You know what? If you're truly a believer here this morning, you will hear what the Spirit is saying. Get back into the Word. This is the trustworthy Word of God. Let me read to you. Some unknown person wrote this poem. I am the Bible. I am God's wonderful library. I am always and above all the truth. To the weary pilgrim, I am a good, strong staff. To the one who sits in black... Gloom, I am the glorious light. To, to, to those who stoop beneath heavy burdens, I am sweet rest. To him who has lost his way, I am a safe guide. To those who have been hurt by sin, I am healing balm. To the discouraged, I whisper a glad message of hope. To those who are distressed by the storms of life, I am an anchor, sure and steadfast. To those who suffer in lonely solitude, I am as a cool, soft hand resting upon a fevered brow. O child of man, to best defend me, just use me. I love that. Get into the Word, you guys. Perhaps you've been struggling lately and you're wondering, why, why? I'll tell you, maybe it's because you haven't been spiritually fed by the Word of God, spiritually nourished. Just use the Bible in your life. So let that Word, let the Word of God be a spiritual resource for life. Let's go on to number four. The last thing is the sustaining grace. The sustaining grace. Verse 18, our very last verse for this book. Paul writes, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So Paul finally closes this book. And what does he end with? Grace. A blessing of grace. A prayer. A wish of grace. The, from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with them. To be given to them. Be, to, to go with them. As this letter closes out. And I love it. Just like we saw in 1 Thessalonians. Grace is how we began in this book. And grace is how we end. In verse 2 of this book. And he ends here in verse 18. Verse 2 of uh, uh, chapter 1. And verse 18 of this last chapter. He ends with grace. So grace is how we began. And grace is how we go on in life. And isn't that how we came to the Lord? For we are saved by grace through faith, right? Ephesians 2, 8, right? Not, not of our own works or anything, right? But through Christ. We started. It's grace that God had called us to. And it's grace that helps us to keep going on. I like what John Phillips said. Grace saves us. Grace sanctifies us. Grace strengthens us. Grace secures us. It's all grace from beginning to and, and so that's another source for us. We need that grace to even go on. I mean, I always think about waking up every day and Lord, thank you so much for your mercies that are new, right? For your grace you give me because I did not live a perfect life the day before. And I know I'm under the blood of Christ and cleanse and that's God's grace. And our God, even though with my sins, God is not done with me yet. He's changing me and that's God's grace to help me. Yeah, to grow. And, to, and it's God's grace. I don't deserve His strength and power to get me through every day. It's God's grace. 
It's grace that gets me through. It's grace really that sustains me. So our last point is that Paul makes sure that what is needed most in life is God's sustaining grace. And that's a resource we need to tap into every day. What is needed most in life is God's sustaining grace. You know, I think about how if you look in the Bible, you know, if, if we read the stories, you know, say in the Old Testament, you know, it's, it's all stories of grace, isn't it? Think about that. Think about Adam and Eve, right? God created them, put them in the perfect world, in the garden. You know, perfect. They had this re- close relationship with God, right? They lived in this paradise, a beautiful place. But what happened? They chose in that moment of temptation to sin, right? To go against God, to go against, to rebel against what God had told them to do. They sinned. But you know what? Did God, remember, God said, um, um, if you eat of the fruit, like if you sin, you'll surely die. They, did they, were they like judged and killed right then? No. We see the first instance where uh, an animal sacrificed for their sin because they were clothed, right? With, with, with animal skins. God in His grace gave them an opportunity to go on living. That's grace. Think about Abraham, chosen, called to be the father of the nation Israel, right? Abraham, I chose you, you're going to have a child, all that. Things happened in his life. A famine came, so they went down to Egypt for food and all, right? And, and he was afraid that, that the, the Pharaoh's going to look upon uh, Abraham's wife Sarah and, and, and he's going to kill Abraham and then he's going to take Sarah for, for his own. What did Abraham do? He lied. Well, that's my sister. Right? He lied about it to save his own skin. How terrible is that? Did God come and say, sorry, you blew it. No more, father of the nation. I don't want to use you anymore like that. No. God gave him grace and we know a story. How about like... Um, Moses, right? Moses, raised up to be that prophet to lead God's people out of Egypt, right? Yet, remember that he had that moment, he got frustrated. He was angry. Over and over, the people of Israel, they did the same thing. They didn't have faith. They complained against God. Oh, they came to place. There's no water. Again. And God had provided all this way. And so Moses, all frustrated and everything, Lord, what are we going to do? Well, strike the rock. And so he went. But he was all frustrated. So he struck the rock twice, right? He was, and then he had consequences. He's not able to enter the promised land. Did Moses lose his job? Did he say, you're fired? No. No, God gave him grace. And Moses still led the people up to the border of the promised land before he died. And today he's known as, as one of the greatest prophets, really, of Israel. You know what I think about? Another story of grace is the book of Judges. Read that. It's, all, it's like horrible things are going on in there, right? And we, we know at the very end, why, why did Israel you know, be, so, be like that to the Lord and treat God like that because, well, at the end of Judges it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's why. But God kept the nation together. Because after that, he, he raised up kings. And God kept rescuing them when they 
realize what they've done. They come to the Lord. They cry out to Him, Oh, help us, save us from this conquering nation, you know, and all this. We're in this bad state. And God comes, raises up a judge, a leader, to deliver them from that. Over and over and over and over again. Isn't that a story of grace? Isn't that a story of grace? One more. Remember David? He's considered the greatest king of Israel. But there's that one night, right, with Bathsheba, that he sinned purposely, rebelliously. He made that decision to do that. That one night stand. And then to cover it up, he had her husband go uh, put on the front line so that he could be killed. Murder, adultery, all of that. And when the baby was born, consequence, the baby died, right? Oh, look at David. Did God say, well, that's it, David. Step down. You're going to find someone else. God's grace was still working with him. God's grace was in his life. Over and over, God rescued people. Over and over, God saved people. I mean, think about the, the disciples. Think about Peter denying Jesus. Think about over and over what we see. But God came. He blessed them. He saved them. He helped them. He was patient with them. He endured their rebellion and he came and he still changed them. And you know what? That's grace. That's grace. So you understand, when Paul says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, oh, I receive that, God. I need that grace. Today, right now, tomorrow, I know I'm not perfect. I mess up. I, I don't deserve any of this. Oh, but your grace, it covers me. It sustains me. It pours out on me. And thank you, God, I need that grace. So as we close up here, we close up this letter. Isn't this great? Isn't this awesome? Paul puts forth this, this benediction, this prayer, this blessing. And here we see what's available for us. The overcoming peace that could overcome anything you're feeling or going through. The strengthening presence. God being right there in His strong uh, sense of His presence. The trustworthy word that oh, we have the word to guide us, to help us, Lord. To filter through any false thinking and whatever you see in the media or social media, right? The sustaining grace, yeah? That will keep us going. It's, it's all the Lord, you see? It's all God. It's so beautiful to me. He just, God just doesn't say, hey, get up. You better start living your life now. I'm going to watch out. No. God says, come on. I'll hold your hand. Come on. I'll uphold you. Come on. I'll be with you. Come on. We'll run together. Come on. We'll get through this together. That's, that's the God we have. That's Jesus in our lives, you guys. So don't neglect what's available to you Today, I'll close with this. During the late 1800s, Hetty Green, she was known as the basically the richest woman in America. But she was also dubbed by the Guinness Book of Records as the greatest miser. In other words, she was the greatest cheapskate ever. That's what they, they're saying. See, um, she died in 1915, leaving an, an estate valued at over $1 
million dollars. And you, so you, you can imagine how much that was really worth in 1915. Maybe, I don't know, billions or 100 million, right? She left an estate. Well, they say this Hetty uh, Green, she always ate cold oatmeal because it cost too much to heat it. She wanted to save on heating. It says that uh, her son had to suffer through a leg amputation unnecessarily because Hetty wasted so much time looking for a free clinic to take him to. Hetty Green was wealthy, but she chose to live like a pauper. She, they say she actually hastened her own death. Uh, she suffered a stroke by becoming too excited over a discussion about the value of drinking skim milk. She wanted to even save money on that. I'll tell you, we shake our heads, and some people laugh about that, of the foolishness of this eccentric old woman. But you know what? It's a picture, an illustration, a tragic one of what we can be like. Many Christians are like that. We have this limited wealth at our disposal, yet we often choose to live in that spiritual poverty. So don't be like her today. Be encouraged that God can help you so much. Don't be foolish like her and suffer things that you don't have to. Right? Don't neglect what's available to you, the spiritual resources of life. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you, we are so encouraged, God, as we close this book. And God, we are so happy Lord, that you are there for us. And God, sometimes in our, our minds, we don't think about that. Sometimes we, we rely upon ourselves too much and, and we don't look to you. And today, God, we're encouraged, we're reminded, we're convicted, God, that we need to go to you. Sometimes we're so distracted or so overwhelmed with, with the situation in front of us and we're just thinking too fast and our emotions are high and we don't stop to think that, oh, Lord, You can give us that peace. Your presence can be here right now and strengthen us and help us. That that you can come with your your grace to sustain us here. And that that we can go to your word and find the truth to help us navigate through all the, the, the roads and pathways of life. But thank you, God, that you are offering to us, Lord, what you have made available, that you're welcoming us to go to you. And God, we want to go to you right now. And I pray for anyone here that is really struggling and perhaps, God, they've been doing that very thing that their emotions have been getting the best of them, that their perspective has been getting the best of them, that, that what they feel and how they see things and only looking at their own resources have been getting the best of them. But Lord... Help us to look beyond our limits, but to look to over the horizon to who you are and what you have offered to us, Lord. So today, God, we go to you. Holy Spirit, come. Remind us. Fill us and touch us right now so that we leave this place tapping into not our own resources, but your resources, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.